Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Players Club in the house today, guys. Chad Brown, Orlando Franklin, Nate Jackson, Johnny Simmer. How you guys doing today, man? On this beautiful Tuesday, October, no, August 27th. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. Uh, speed this thing up. You already get this year October over with already? No, 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 no. October. You just said it again. October 22nd. No, was, uh, August 22nd. <laughs> August, August, August. Well, it's like the school year has started. And it was kind of a hectic morning in my house getting my first day underwear in your yesterday pocket was, today. Or? No, my wife's in town. So. Okay, <laughs> so no underwear in the pocket. All right, but uh, yesterday was the first day. Yeah, new class, new teachers. Yeah, you know, kind of so. sad that I had to do the morning show. Today was the first day for Zade. Mm. Yeah, my wife was bawling in the in the car, texting me at eight a.m. Really crying. He's all grown up. I'm, I'm losing it. I'm I'm just like. Do you guys do the uh, the pictures by the front door? <laughs> we uh, we did school? it at school. Okay. We, she sent me, uh, and I was the one pushing for this, obviously, because this morning I was on the show. So I was right. like, "Hey, make sure you you write the sign. Uh-huh. Make sure you get the picture. Yep. Get the video of what he's excited to learn about today. <laughs> and then today I'll do a video when he gets home from school, and we'll kind of do. How was your first day of school and, and stuff like that? Nice. Yeah, we nice. didn't do any. We didn't do any photos. <laughs> yeah, I remember running out the door. Like, <laughs> it's when you have a radio show to be at at a certain time. It's yeah. a little bit different. It is a little different. You know, like you can't dilly dally, man. What time does you start school? Uh, between eight thirty and nine. Okay, yeah. you know. So our now that they just started kindergarten, drop off is seven forty five eight. Okay. So can't wait to be done with the morning show this week because next week it's now easier. Like I got to get them there at eight. I can like mosey on in here, cut a couple spots before the show, just kind of hang out. There's no more rushing for me because I was at that eight thirty mark last year. Yeah. Where you're dropping them off at eight thirty and you're just rushing to get barely here on time. It's hectic, and you know, like like small children are very particular about things, certain things. My son is very particular about. Um, I want those socks. Not just those socks, but when he goes, you know, when he goes number two, mm. and he gets helped at the end, you know, with, with the wipey time. I want mommy to wipe me. No, not even no. that. You can't wash your hands before he washes his hands. So he doesn't really need to wash his hands. He's not really touching anything, right? <laughs> so you you wipe it, He's and then you toilet. can't wash it until after he washes it. If you wash your hands first... It's a big problem. And that happened this morning. <laughs> mommy forgot the rule because mommy had her own stuff going on. And oh, uh, and so, man. yeah. So I had to, like, you know, try to distract. Because it, it's a distraction thing when a yeah. kid is having a, a weird meltdown over something yeah. stupid, right? Redirect. Redirect, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, did you have any such issues this morning, Chad? No, I did when not. You, did, you, you, did, you, did you wait to wipe until after... Your wife. Uh, <laughs> my kids are 27 and 24. I've done all, a ton of my share of wiping and navigated the tricky particularities of uh, this week I am Princess and she will not respond to any other name other than Princess and wiping procedures. I've done all this. So I, it brings me back and makes me smile to hear you guys going through this. Chad, I got a question. When's a good age to stop having to help them wipe because I'm tired of it? My five-year-old, I'm just, he called me yesterday like, Daddy, done pooping. Come come, come, knock this out for me. Okay. All right, so you, 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 are you, you have to balance out 
how many disgusting, nasty, streak-stained uh, sets of underwear are you willing to endure <laughs> right. before you're good with that? Because oh. it's either you're wiping it or he's wiping it. And he's and not wiping are, it right. He ain't going to do it very good. <laughs> so there's going to be all kind of material <laughs> left around on underwear and in toilet seats and such until he gets it down. So mm. if you and your wife are cool with that... Then you can start. You can stop today, man. Just let them walk around naked. <laughs> Every time you go number two, you just don't you make it for oh, the rest of the day. You're in a rental house. I'm sure at your other fancy house, you had a bidet or something, right? Um, no, no. maybe. <laughs> I don't I guess. I'm not trying to call you out on the bidet, I, man. You can't give the five year old that luxury at this point. I mean, I'm trying to. Keep them like content with certain things at the same time. What age do you switch over to the day? <laughs> I, I didn't try one until like my first time in Vegas, 23, after my rookie year. That's <laughs> when I discovered the bidet. And you never went back? No, I mean, it's a nice treat when you go to Vegas. I personally am not a fan of the bidet. Oh, it changed my life. Did it? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> the big dudes, too, like the offensive linemen, like, they need help down there. No, they don't. They turn into a big, a big mess. <laughs> Why? Why is it any different than a regular person? Dude, I went to school with an offensive lineman in college. He cracked a rib taking a dump. <laughs> and that doesn't happen to wide receivers, man. It just doesn't. I will give you the offensive lineman. I'll give you guys credit for being the smartest group in the in the building. I will also give you the discredit as a group of being the overall nastiest group in the building. Yeah. If there's a position group that is most likely to pee on themselves, as evidenced by stink. The person that sits in that chair every single day right before you. Yes, that's why I have this sock over my microphone. Because if, if he's peeing on himself, it could be other things happening. So... Yes, you guys are the smartest dudes, but the nastiest dudes at the same time. Hey, I have no problem with that statement. Um, it does, it's not an indictment on me. No. Um, but I've seen some very nasty things going on yes. with offensive linemen for sure. Okay. And I did pee a little bit in my pants. <laughs> There's also the thing like, you know, the wiping technique that you use. Did you get that one from your mom or your dad? Because they do it differently, right? Right. And then you have to develop your own. Is it an amalgamation of the two? I'm assuming that I can develop it from my mom. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I think I took mine from my dad. Uh, uh, not to say my mom's wasn't good. This is crazy. This is just the fold versus the crumple. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Sorry, guys. The player's Fold club is back together. Fold every right. time. That's right. Um, Chad. Yes, sir. We we haven't been able to speak with you since the uh, since the since the preseason loss to the Niners. Mm-hmm. Any, any kind of sort of leftover thoughts on that? I mean, what did we glean from that, if anything? It's particularly defensively because we've really talked a lot about the offense and Russ and Russell Wilson and how did he look and all that. But what was your what was your own kind of takeaway from the defensive performance of the Broncos against the Niners? I, I give the entire team uh, a B. The offensive line, you know, it's probably the most glaring issue. That's the union that seems to need the most work currently. But offensively, defensively, uh, you know, front to back, defensively, Russell Wilson, the receivers, the backs, I give it all a solid B. Everything's going in the right direction. There's no cause for immediate concern outside of the offensive line. Everything else seems to be tracking as it should. But nowhere is there. A position group, you're just like, oh my gosh, those guys are awesome right now. What about the edge dudes? They're playing well. I wouldn't say they're awesome, but they're playing well. Not awesome. So you think VJ's praise of them, saying top to bottom, it's the most 
depth that he's ever had at that position that that is an exaggeration or, or sort of a prisoner of the moment? No, I think it's actually true. I mean, Frank Clark was playing in the fourth quarter of this game. Yeah. He had four guys that he was rotating for essentially the first, you know, three and a half quarters. So uh, that speaks to the depth of this of this group when a, a guy who's coming off uh, a time with the Super Bowl champions uh, who's getting paid a couple million bucks a year to do this is in the game in the fourth quarter. Are you okay with that, though, Chad, when you look at just these air rushers? Because you want Nick Benito at some point to be able to continue to progress, right? Second-round draft pick, hopefully turns into this complete football player, and hopefully he could be one of those edge guys. And I would think that you would think the same for Baron Browning as well. So when you start seeing this rotation, is it necessarily good for these younger guys that could be mainstays for the Broncos in the outside linebacker room? To, sit, to have Frank Clark playing that deep into the, a game? Like, no, the rotation that, it, that oh, absolutely. Joseph's going with. Absolutely. I, I, you know, the, the the edge group, it may be, let me think, defensive line is probably the most rotated group, the interior of a defensive line. At least defensively, the edge group would probably be the second. Because you want those guys fresh, and you want to wear down those tackles, not just with your skill set, but with the relentless nature of each guy stepping in and playing in that game. So if these young guys are able to take advantage of that and – to get on the sideline and have Frank Clark tell you what moves he's been setting up, that allows you to set your moves up. And if uh, Baron Browning, when he comes back, is, uh, is able to begin to chip away and wear this guy down, when you get in there, you have a better opportunity. So, yeah, I think it's to the benefit that there's going to be a tremendous amount of rotation, keeps those guys fresh and keeps all of them with the ability to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Well, the Broncos are 0-2 in preseason. It's not a really big deal. I think the the Ravens won last night, right? No, no, they lost. Oh, they lost. Their, they lost. Their, their streak is broken. streak is broken. Wow, oh, man. 24 games. offensive tackle called it yesterday morning. Yeah, Stupidest okay, thing they're going to lose that. They're going to lose that. Stupidest thing ever. Well, that streak was broken, and the Broncos are on their own streak with Sean Payton here. Two straight losses. Is that going to change this week against the Rams, and does it even really matter? they got joint practices coming up against the Rams this week. What do we look to see from these practices? What are we expecting? I know we're, we've heard that Aaron Donald is not practicing. Why is that? We're going to dive into these joint practices next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Before I got to the NFL, joint practices was something different. But when I got to the NFL, it became this um, this couple days where you practice against another team. Yeah, I got in advance yeah. uh-huh. of a of a preseason game. Yeah, right. And the Broncos are about to do so against the L- uh, the L A Rams. Um, okay, so different teams approach this differently. The idea is that Sean Payton's not going to play these guys, perhaps. In the final preseason game, or at least his starters, right? But that would assume that he wants to see some really good work from his starters in the joint practices. Chad, would you would you think that they're an important kind of test for Sean Payton to see these guys go stick it to the Rams in, in these practices, or, or are they just trying to accomplish certain things and run certain plays? It's been interesting this year because with the reduction of preseason games from four to three, joint practices became more important, and now this year teams are canceling the second day. Teams are canceling joint practice overall. Um, and, you know, there's rumors that the NFL is going to ban two days in a row 
of joint practice because it leads to fights. Mm. So that's right. I'm going to get him tomorrow. Yes. Well, you I mean you get your butt kicked. Yep. Your coach yells at you mm-hmm. in front of your whole position group and maybe even the whole team. Yep. So then you got to get some retribution. And there ain't no, there's no, there's no fines yep. for fighting during a joint practice. As evidenced by last year, Aaron Donald, you know, basically assault with two deadly weapons. Yes. With the pulling off the helmets. If he had been on the other side of the field stripes. I would have laid that thing down. If he hit me with that helmet, you would have had an airlift me off that field. I would have laid that thing down. But oh, what would you have done if you couldn't get to him? If you had everybody holding you back, they wouldn't have been able to hold you back. Is that what you're saying? You would have retribution? No, I said I would have laid that thing down. If Aaron Donald hit me with that helmet, I would have laid oh, on you that field. Oh, you would have physically laid down. And yes. I would have had come <laughs> airlift me to, to take me to the nearest oh, hospital. I and thought you were suitable. <laughs> yes. I need half of whatever you're, you're projected to make for the because you just cut my career short. Right. I'm done. Right, I, I'm <laughs> done. You're done. Um, have you? Did you experience any joint practices when you were in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. Um, we we did it a couple times against uh, the Texans and um, uh, it, yeah, it was just the Texans actually when I was here with the Broncos, and then when I was with the Chargers, we practiced against the Saints one year. Do you guys feel like you accomplished a lot there, or was it a big waste of time? I felt like we accomplished a lot, and I honestly looked forward to it because it was two days or three days where I didn't have to go against, you know, here with the Broncos, like two or three days I don't have to go against Von Miller and D. Ware and these guys, right? So, and I feel also we were really good football teams. We didn't go out there and, like, everybody was getting their butt kicked. Like, we we had a purpose. Like, we knew that we matched up really, really well against any team in the league, and we were going to compete each and every game. So there was a different purpose. Now, when you're, like, a team like Carolina and you have joint practices, well, you you sucked last year, and you're probably going to – it's probably not going to really help a lot because you're trying to change the culture, trying to build up something. So I think different teams could get different things from the whole joint practice. and But it really ain't for everybody. I think if you're like in the middle of the pack to to the top of the league, yeah, let's go ahead and get this work. But if you're at the bottom of this league, it could be like just fight after fight and these coaches just getting on you and cursing you out and after and meetings and things like that and just getting guys frustrated where now you're looking for the fight the next day because of it. Yeah, so famously last year, Aaron Donald in a joint practice with the Cincinnati Bengals somehow removed two helmets from offensive linemen, you would assume, or some offensive players and started swinging them, uh, trying to hit people. That's what you want to avoid. This Rams front, now Aaron Donald's not going to be practicing against the Broncos. Apparently he's got a got a baby on the way. Is that right? Uh, I think that's part of it. The other part of it is they want to make sure there's no repeat of him swinging deadly weapons at people. Hmm. So he can't control himself, so they're like, just stay home and, and be a dad. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> he, 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 has, he has got himself... Banned as long as he plays in the Rams from participating in the joint practice because of what he did last year. Is wow. That, is that all you got to do to get out of it? Yes. I'm sure oh, some other guys are going to take notes. I think some guys are going to sign up for that. Take it to the next level, man. Bring some <laughs> brass knuckles in your pants and pull those things out. So do you think that's evidence that these, these things should go away, Chad? I think there's a tremendous benefit if you can handle it properly. Uh, in a preseason game, we have no idea how the game is going to unfold. So you as a coach can decide, I want to work on X, Y, and Z. But X, Y, and Z just simply don't come up in the course of the game. So to script a joint practice and say, you know what, we've had no red zone opportunity so far in 
preseason, that first two preseason games. You give a call to the other coach and say, can we schedule a red zone period? Can we schedule a short yardage period? All the things that you need to work on, you guys can come together and, and schedule that, decide on how many plays a period is going to be, how much you're going to devote to it, and then how intense is that period? Is it going to be a full go period? Are we thudding? What are we doing here? So you can script exactly what you want and get to work on things that you would hope to work on, but going against somebody other than your own team. So I think it's a tremendous benefit if it is handled correctly. But as we have seen it's a big this year, if, right? that's a massive if. Yeah. A massive if. You know, you talked about red zone, and then you talk about short yardage. Those are two of the most competitive, right? Contentious periods, and no doubt. Then, you know, you go against another team, and all of a sudden I feel like those two periods could, you know, a fight could break out after each and every play. You know, all it takes is, you know, a DB to try to, you know, get physical with that wide receiver to make sure that he doesn't come down with the ball and somebody think that, hey, you're doing a little bit too much and now a big fight breaks out or, you know, just short yardage. The bloody, most bloodiest period ever. I, I hated doing short yardage in training camp. I thought there, there was no point to it because I always thought someone was going to get hurt doing it. So, um, even though you could do these things, and I think that that's why the league is going towards this, where you could script it. I think that's why coaches are in favor of these joint practices where you could see good versus good and it really just ramps it up. But at the same time, I think fights are always going to be something that you're worried about. And it requires some collaboration between the coaches as well and, and some relationships yep. that already exist between those coaches. And if you are on a different page and you do, you know, communicate what the period's going to look like differently to your players, you, you there's a, there's some area of, of consternation there that, that could blow up into a fight. A couple of years ago, I went out to Minnesota to watch those joint practices against the Vikings, and that was Mike Zimmer's team and, and Vic Fangio's. And uh, those guys were on the same page. But it was also not very competitive. Like, they, they had clearly talked about not wanting to get guys hurt. Now, that's why. We, don't, we just kind of want to get some work, but we don't want to get guys hurt. So where is the line there? Because obviously you want to simulate football as much as you can with this stuff. So how do you, like, discuss and script the sort of work that won't get people hurt? Is that even possible? Football is 100% injury. Last year with the Broncos, they went into a bye week and came back out seven days later and were more injured than they were when they went back in. So I don't think that you could ever really do that. Like, guys are at risk every time they put a helmet on and walk out there on the field. Yeah. Um, when I played here, we, we, we did a joint practice against the Texans once and the Cowboys twice, back-to-back years. And uh, the first time we went to Dallas and... We went through a couple of days of practice. It went pretty well. But then when the game came around, you know, there's an unspoken rule with coaches in the preseason. You don't you don't game plan for your opponent. You don't run any kind of trick plays or any funny stuff. You keep it basic. Mm-hmm. And we went out there in the in the game, and, and Wade Phillips had had some tricks up his sleeve for Mike Shanahan's team, and they beat us. They whooped our they whooped our butts mm-hmm. up there. Okay, well then down there, not up there. Um, the next year they came here, and in, in advance of them coming here, Mike. Mike Shanahan was adamant to us about how much this meant and what they did last year and how we weren't going to let them do that this year. And da 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 da. And uh, it was a bloodbath on day one. It was a bloodbath on day two. And then in the games, we all played again too. Everybody played, and we beat him in the game. And after that game, I've never seen Mike Shanahan more happy in the locker room. Really, it was a preseason game. After that game, yeah, maybe not never more happy, okay. but but he was very content with what had happened the previous three days, including that game. He wanted to win that game. That game mattered to him. The egos of these coaches matter. Sean Payton wants to prove something to this team, do you think, to the Rams? 
to the Rams. Wants to prove something. I think, that his team is tougher than their team. Yeah, especially with how preseason has went so far. I mean, I think right. deep down inside, Sean Payton is extremely upset that this football team has lost two games by a score of one. Um, especially with last year and what was surrounding this football team. So, yeah, I could see that. I could see it being, you know, really competitive this week and Sean Payton getting these guys fired up and telling them, you better take this serious. And it's about winning the day against them the first day of practice and winning the day the second day. And you damn sure know that he wants to win the game. He doesn't want to go 0 for 3 in the preseason. And it creates some, some confidence going into the season, right, Chad? I mean, you talked about... You talked about um, the Niners getting off the bus a couple years ago and coming in here and whipping up on the Broncos, and, and that being foreshadowing of what was going to happen that year, both for the 49ers and the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I've been a coach on, on a youth level. I've been a coach on, as an, on the NFL level. And when you, as a coach, you're in the tunnel or you're about to take the field and, and run through the little paper as a Pop Warner team, you want to stand there and feel like your team is the tougher team. We are the more physical, we are the more badass football team. Um, so Sean Payton, NFL coaches aren't immune from that feeling. You want to be confident in that. So this is an opportunity to establish that. And as, you know, O just pointed out, you've had a pretty sour taste in your mouth because of the way these first two preseason games have gone. Now you get a chance in the joint practices, if there's going to be practices, and then in the game to kind of reset the record there. Well, the Broncos are going to have a practice today, and then when do the joy practices start? Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow and Thursday. Tomorrow and Thursday, and then they take Friday off? Uh, Friday will be, you know, the normal walkthrough, walk and yeah. then they play on Saturday. Correct. All right, so uh, Andrew Mason, he's going to be out there today at practice, and he is going to join us next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Right. Working on getting handy Andy Mason here. Mace! All right, we got him. Andrew Mason, we got to keep it to five minutes here. Our senior Broncos writer, denversports.com, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Andrew Mason joins us. Andrew, uh, joint practices starting tomorrow with uh, the L.A. Rams. What do you think the vibe's going to be as far as the Broncos' approach to this thing? What are they trying to get out of it? I mean... Trying to get, you know, what aren't you trying to get out of? You're trying to get ready for the season. You're also trying to get a, a final evaluation on a lot of play, a lot of players this week. Now, the thing that'll be interesting, of course, is you have the preseason game on the end of it on Saturday. Um, if I were wagering a guess, I'd say you probably won't see the starters very much, if at all, in that game. So, for the starters, I think these two practices are going to be kind of the last best chance to. Uh, uh, to, to set to, to set things at uh, something close to game tempo, um, and then you get to the game, it might be more about uh, about the evaluation of the back end of the roster. I think the interesting question is like, on which players have they seen enough and uh, are going to make a call to you know have them be safe for the regular season? Like, did for example, Julian McLaughlin show enough to where he's going to be on the fifty three, or does he still have uh, work to do? These are some questions that, that have to be answered this week. Mason, you mentioned Jaleel. Are there other other players who you are seeing are on the bubble, either one side or the other, who you think can really help their cause or potentially hurt their cause with these joint practices in this third preseason game? Another und- well, another undrafted rookie I'd throw in that conversation is uh, Alex Palchewski playing at tackle, and uh, 
can he make enough impression to to stick on to, to stick on the fifty three? Uh, with McLaughlin, I think you can look at a, at a running back like Tony Jones and say, okay, he he had a pretty good game on Saturday as well. But McLaughlin may have uh, more juice. Is there room on the roster for both Jones and McLaughlin, knowing that you're going to keep both Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan atop the depth chart, or keeping four running backs instead of three? Um, and also then uh, on the special teams end of things, that's going to determine the back end of the roster. So, you know, what kind of impression can be made there? That's 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 an area where, you know, for some guys, it might take only one explosive play on teams to to, to set your spot, or one bad play to uh, set you on home. Mace, you've been to every Broncos practice this year in training camp. Training camp's over. You're still attending practices. You jumped on a flight and went and watched two preseason games. Depending on who you talk to, people give you mixed opinions. Russell Wilson is fixed. Russell Wilson's not fixed. Mace, is Russell Wilson fixed in your opinion? I think he's a work in progress, and I think he's on. I think he's on his way, but I don't think he. I don't think he's all the way there yet. Um, and. The thing is, everyone wants an answer right now. You want the answer today. You don't want to sit. No one wants to sit there and wait. And the NFL and the NFL schedule with games counting just here in three weeks means, or not even three weeks, means that you don't really have the patience to wait. Correct. But I think this is going to be something that plays into the regular season and probably deep into the regular season in figuring out if he's all the way there or not, or at the, at least figuring out if he is all the way there enough to where you are willing to, to make sure to, to say, okay, we're going, we're, we're buying into the next two years and we're keeping him on the roster the fifth day of the next league year when his 2025 salary becomes guaranteed. That's the, that's the thing. Like, and what does it look like? What does his arc look like this season? Does he start fast and fade or does he, or, or does he start, uh, you know, a little bit slowly out out of the gates as he's continuing to figure things out, and then improves over the course of the year? I mean, I think that matters as well. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry, Orlando, I can't, you know, I can't honestly give the answer one way or another, except to say that that he has done some positive things and there has been some progress. But I don't think we have the answer to that right now. All right, one more question. We'll let you get out of here. We're going to stick with the quarterbacks because uh, San Francisco 49ers last year, Brock Purdy was their third quarterback to start the season. Um, in the NFC Championship game, they only had two active quarterbacks, and you saw the debacle that ensued. Do you think the Broncos are going to keep three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster, including Ben DiNucci, or will they just keep Jarrett Stidham and Russell Wilson? Oh, I mean, I think that actually may have less to do with – Ben DiNucci himself and more to do with other spots on the roster. If they decide, all right, we're willing to gamble on DiNucci passing through to the practice squad on nobody claiming him. I don't know. We'll see, but I think that's, I think that's where we are right now because you know, you could have an injury or two that, uh, that also determines how you shape the back end of the roster. You may have to keep somebody for a day and, uh, and then put them and then move them to IR so you can recall them at some point during the season. And then you've got another player that you cut with the intention of bringing back. So um, I think that is still very much TBD. TBD. All right, buddy. Get out of here. Go do your thing. Right. We appreciate you, Andrew. Thanks, Max. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. There he goes. He's busy. Andrew Mason, he's got stuff to do. He's, uh, he's a man about town. Senior Broncos writer, denversports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Andrew Mason. Uh, had some, <clears throat> well, he couldn't definitively answer. 
any of those questions because I guess it's all up in the air. It's, it's contingent on what happens this last week. Uh, but I just wonder when it comes to this, this, these last joint practices and the last preseason game, if whether or not these starters are going to play in the preseason depends on how they bring it in the next couple of days at the joint practices. Chad, do you think that matters? If if Sean Payton's not happy with their performance in practice against the Rams, will he make these guys suit up and play? Uh, yes. Some of them, I yes, he will. I, I feel some of them. Not everybody's going to be subject to that, but yes, certain guys who we will be a bit surprised will be out there in preseason game number three. Yeah, everybody is not cut from the same cloth, right? Everybody's not going to be treated the exact same way. Uh, I think Sean Payton is going to deal with each individual differently, and he's going to hold true to that. So some guys, they could, you know, take care of business tomorrow and the day after, and they get preseason game number three off. They don't got to, they might not even have to dress. But some guys, probably it does not even matter. Like, right, you're playing in this game. If you're a two and you're a three, now it's about the the ones and the starters. So I think Sean Payton has a plan for each and every individual. I, I, I like Sean Payton in that regard, where Nathaniel Hackett last year had a plan, just one plan for everybody. Everybody's the same. We're going to treat everybody the same, but Russ, you could do whatever kind of right. you want. It's all about Russ. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think probably his plan is that we get two good days of practice against the Rams, and then for the starters, we start thinking about the Raiders. And we shut these guys down. And then it is up to the twos and the threes to, to go out on Saturday night and prove that they belong on this team. Um, you think about 53-man roster. you got 22 starters plus a kicker plus a punter and a snapper. That's 25. So you got 28 more guys who are backups. So the majority of your players are backups and special teams contributors. So you have to figure out who those guys are. Um do you think it's all? Do you think these coaches know who those guys are already? Is there anything these guys can do in the game to prove they belong? I would have to think that, you know, when you look at a fifty-three man roster, I would say probably the Broncos know about forty-three of those guys at this point. Maybe there's ten spots where you're, but you have a good feeling of those ten guys and. You know, they're competing, but you just don't know how it's going to shake out. These guys have to finish strong. They have to show that they could take the next step. They have to show they could continue taking the coaching over the next two weeks or whatever the case may be. But at this point in the year, I would think that each and every team kind of understand like those first 43 guys with every single team in that National Football League right now. Yeah, I'm with though. It's about 40 to 45 guys who they're, they cut, feel comfortable with. Now, of course, they're going to look at the waiver wire when cuts happen and see if they can improve. And then the other piece of it is injuries and things like that. So we have a sense of who our best players are, but our final roster makeup may not just be purely the best players. We've got to keep an extra guy at this spot because this guy is banged up. We've got to keep an extra guy at this spot because this guy's on uh, PUP. Whatever the case may be, there's going to be those kind of issues that are outside of the pure talent that will influence the final roster more than just who are the best 53 football players in your building. Yeah, another example of that is the wide receiver room that's going to be composed on the final roster is not just going to be the dudes who catch the ball the best. Right. You know, you're going to have to have special teams contributors there or else you're not going to suit up. If you're the fourth receiver in a game and you're not on special teams, then you probably won't be suiting up because you're not going to play much. Uh, the rotation is typically three guys. And, you know, if you're a special teams wide receiver, you come on for 
10, 15 plays on offense a game, but you're mostly the, the the big four. So who are those guys? This last game is about finding those guys out. But before that, we got a joint practice to get ready for, and the Rams are coming to town. All right, the Broncos uniform schedule release. They're going to wear a different color, guys, and we're going to tell you about it. Also, from sumo to football, we're going to do that and more in the morning mixtape. Next. The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. Go, go, go. Guys, the Broncos will wear their color rush and newly donned white helmets in week five against the Jets and week six against the Patriots. The Broncos will also wear the Navy jerseys in Week 11 against the Vikings. The Broncos will also be wearing their whites at home in Week 2 against the Commanders for the first time in 20 years. Any of those um, combinations excite you guys at all, Orlando? Um, how do you like the whites at home? Ah, you know, I, I love the Broncos' like traditional new uniform. That's pretty cool. They're, they're now going to get to wear the white uniform at home. They haven't done that in, what, many, many years. But I'm all about that all blue, baby. I was a big fella. Uh, yeah. That all blue makes the big fellas, at least me, I, I look kind of swollen that all blue. I looked better in that all blue. I felt better in that all blue. So I was a little disappointed to see them only wearing all blue just once this year. Having never donned a Broncos uniform in my life. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm the odd guy out of the Players Club. Uh, I, I like the all whites. I think the all whites are a fantastic look. Uh, I've always liked the, the Bronco uniforms as a kid, playing against them. Um, and now to see some, some of these combinations come back, I'm looking forward to seeing the white helmet. I think the folks who have dis- helped design the Bronco uniforms have yet to have a miss. Um, yeah, yeah, a little point of clarification there. It's week 16 against the Patriots, not week six. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of all the just the uniform changes and stuff, man. Just like, choose a uniform, let's go play some ball, baby. I mean, so, like, well, you don't like the, the fact that they have like four different com- no, combinations? No, 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 yeah. no, I don't, man. Does the superhero change his stuff? Does he put on a new cape when he goes over to there? To, 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 to ex- what, what are you talking about, John? <laughs> God, does it uh, just answer the questions? Does the superhero change his outfit? He does not. He has one. Remember last year, uh, the Broncos were wearing like. Uh, what did they do? Like white jerseys with like the blue pants and like the, the stripes didn't match. And yeah. then they won a game. Yeah. So they did it again. Yeah, you got to do it again <laughs> like, if you win. Got to be a little stitious, not superstitious. <laughs> really oh, stitious. All right, this is pretty cool. From Sumo World Champion to football in Fort Collins, Nick Rothschild of Denver 7 did a report on a very unique defensive lineman for the Rams up in Fort Collins. 2022 Sumo World Champion, Hidatora Hanada has made the transition from sumo wrestling to D-line. Here is the D-line coach, Buddha Williams, on Hanada. I didn't know anything until I seen his highlight tape. He had put together a highlight tape with him sumo wrestling, with combine stuff and football stuff, which I thought was unique. Um, but then when I seen it, I seen like how explosive he was coming out of his stance, how flexible he was. Um, and I was like, I mean, he got some, he got some tools that, that can carry over and translate to this game. Orlando, your thoughts when you hear about a sumo wrestler playing uh, American football? Man, I saw this story yesterday and sent it to, to John, and I was just like, this is awesome. I thought he was going to be an offensive lineman, though. I didn't realize he was going to be a defensive lineman when I was clicking on the story. And I'm just kind of watching this guy's transition. I, I think it's super cool, super unique. And, you know, the more and more you could expose people to the game of football, just because you don't grow up in America or grow up in Canada doesn't mean that you can't 
transition to this game or play this sport. You know, so I, I just think that this overall is such a cool and unique story. And I'm rooting for this young man. I, I hope that he gets an opportunity to get in some training camp because of him as well. You know, he, he grew up like watching football. He started watching it at a very young age. And I'm sure that that wasn't a part of the plan ever as he was like a champion at sumo. But now he's up there, up the road playing some D-line. So good for him. Chad, could a sumo wrestler block you coming off the edge? That's what I want to know, though. No, because sumos go forward. They don't go backwards. Uh, you know, it's a different... Is that sk- why he plays D-line? Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a different, completely different, different skill set. Now, the footballness of coming out of your stance, coming low, playing with leverage, I think that's universal between the two sports. Uh, but to turn him into a little a dancing bear, which goes backwards, and, you know, and all the stuff the offensive linemen do, I don't think they come... Out of sumo, armed with that particular skill set. So, from a pure transition standpoint, yeah, I'm going to try you at D line first. Mm -hmm. See what you got there. Um, And so, he's something he's got a great spot. And if he can play low with some leverage, as you do in sumo, it gives him a chance to be, uh, you know, kind of a a clog right there in the middle of that uh, Rams defensive front. I've always thought an offensive line play kind of like synchronized sumo wrestling. Hmm. The run plays, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even pass plays, they're they're synchronized together. Like, the you know, the pass protection is synchronized. Is it not? There's a certain synchronicity to it. There is. Yes. <laughs> Some I'm people- just hung up on chat calling offensive linemen dancing bears. Thank you for that compliment. You know, I thought of myself as that. It, 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 dude, there's, <laughs> there's only so many human beings on the planet who can do what you guys do. I completely recognize that. I mean, Trent Williams, I mean, I saw him uh, Super Bowl week out there in Arizona. You know, and I played against Hall of Fame dudes. I'm just like, I can't believe I used to compete against human beings like that. I, that was my job to find a way to beat that guy. So yeah, there you guys are a special lot. The no true, doubt about the it. true skill position players. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, really quick though, the text line informing me that a lot of superheroes have different outfits. Nate, uh, I know they've they evolved their outfits over time. But I don't know if they, they just go into the grab bag and pull out a different one depending on what city they're in. It seems weird, right? The superheroes would have different outfits, man. Uh, with you. Focus on your job, man. <laughs> Sneak attack. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to hit that one again. The Colts. Indianapolis Colts granting Jonathan Taylor the option to seek a trade. Um, guys, should the Broncos go after this? And when you say no, um, tell me, is Taylor a top five running back in the league? Uh, well, you answered the first part, no. Um, but I do believe that he's a top five running back in this league. But I think it sends a bad message. This whole entire offseason, you had upper management talking about Javante Williams getting ready to be ready. You had Sean Payton going out there and kind of putting this young man in, in what you have said, Nate, an awkward position. What if he's not ready to go out to start a training camp? But Javante worked his butt off to become ready. And he's went through training camp. I think there's a lot of issues still out there at this Broncos football team, but running back is not an issue. So can't really afford to trade for him, and you certainly really can't afford to give him the type of money that you would have to give him right after trading for him. What like what about the Jets going after Dalvin Cook when they already have like Brees Hall, for example? Like, um, it is. Is that a window they're in where they're, you know, they got Aaron Rodgers for a couple years? and they It's a window, but also I think that it's the effect of having Aaron Rodgers where mm. Dalvin Cook, what was that deal worth? Like a maximum of $8 million? I mean, that was less than he was making last year or right around. Yeah, I didn't think that he was, like, I thought he would have ended up getting more. 
So now you have guys willing to take a little bit less to chase that Super Bowl. So I think when you look at just the Jets right now, everybody's saying Super Bowl or bust, Super Bowl or bust. I want to go play with Aaron Rodgers. I want to get this opportunity. And there's a reason why Dalvin Cook only did a one-year deal out there. Chad, your thoughts on uh, John, on Jonathan Taylor? Uh, that, the whole situation there. No. Should the Broncos go after him? No. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's going to want – he's trying to leave the Colts because he wants a long-term deal at the top of the market. So the Broncos to pay a running back at the top of the market under a long-term deal doesn't seem like fitting with their plans right now. They've got a number of guys. And to go to the Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall situation, Brees Hall tore his ACL last year. So the Jets are looking for some security at the running back position while Brees Hall rounds himself into form. And we've seen now, it's very rare for one bell cow to be your back. you got a couple of guys back there. And it looks as if the Broncos got some talent back there. Even though Javante's probably only 85% recovered, um, it, in the end, uh, does not warrant the inclusion of a guy who's going to want to get paid $10-plus million a year with probably a $30 million guarantee. And the Colts are, at least initially, seeking a first-round pick. Trade value's too high. Contract demands are too high. And we've got enough talent here anyway. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor going into his fourth season. He's got career 756 carries, 3,841 yards and 33 touchdowns. Still some tread on those tires, right? But uh, but some teams are probably a little reticent to give him a long-term deal. What do you think about James Merrillat's idea, Chad, now that you're on here today with us, that uh, Jaleel McLaughlin should be the starting running back for the Denver Broncos? He's proven it. No, proven he it. has not. He has not. Show me what. Show me you can pass block. Show me you can do in a real speed action. Uh, at 5'8", 180, uh, probably dripping wet. Uh, the same limitations that were difficult for Phillip Lindsay to overcome. Uh, Jaleel's going to face those same things. He, as a smaller running back, it's just a, a matter of physics. Um, and he's not like a thickly built guy. Like uh, Who did uh, Sean Payton have in New Orleans for a long time? Small running back. Uh, Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles was short but thickly built. Yeah. Jaleel is not thickly built. So his ability to stand up in pass protection would give me some concern. I need to see that. So if you're going to be anointed the guy, I need to see, I at least need to see you do that at a average level first. We haven't even seen that at all yet. All right, guys. This game is upon us, the last preseason game of 2023. Does it matter? Maybe. Uh, developing the back end of the roster, you got about 28 dudes. you got to figure out who those backups and special teams players are. So which are the guys who are playing for their jobs and which are the guys that just are not going to cut it? We'll get into that next.